On today's show, we're going to take a look at the Western Conference and predict which teams in the standings are going to go up, which teams will go down. We're also going to ask, when will be the peak year of the Jokic-Murray era? Did it just happen, or is it in the coming years? This is Locked On Nuggets. You are Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adam Mades, flying solo today from DNVR. Matt Moore has the day off, but he's back tomorrow, reunited. It's going to feel so good talking Nuggets with him. I'm sure he'll be as refreshed as I was with my vacation. Today's show is going to be a great one. I want to look at the standings. I want to go through every single team very quickly and just say why I think they will rise or fall. It was actually a, a challenge that was more difficult than I expected when I started going into it thinking, hmm, is Memphis going to go up and down? You start to say like, oh, that team will stay the same. That team will go up. And as you go down the list, you start to see all these teams and you start to take like the over, so to speak, over and over again. And you think not all these teams can be an over. So I had to go back and redo the list. Very challenging. Shows how much chaos there can be in the Western Conference. And then, of course, get to your mailbag questions. You guys had some great ones. I love the one about the Jokic-Murray Prime. Um, we'll dive into that one pretty deep. But let's start with going through the standings here. We're just sticking out West today, and we're going to start, of course, with the Denver Nuggets. Now, I don't want to look at this as a record. Nuggets won 53 games last year. I more want to look at they were the number one seed in the Western Conference. So will they go up? I mean, they can't go up. So will they stay the same, or will they fall in the standings most likely? As I was thinking about this, there's a lot of good teams in the Western Conference but I'm not sure there's that many teams that you can say realistically will challenge Denver for the one seed. I think the Suns have the potential to do that, especially in the regular season. We saw what a good regular season team they are. They just get buckets. They have so many guys that can be hot, like Kevin Durant can have an off night. Booker and Beal have an on night, and you still have a lot of scoring. So I think they're built to be a regular season really good team. And then I think somebody will surprise us um, – you know, whether that's Sac like Sacramento last year surprised us all by being the three seed. This upcoming year, maybe that's the New Orleans team if everything comes together for a Zion. Maybe that's a Timberwolves team that I think has real potential, especially if they move on from Carl Anthony Towns. You know, maybe that's uh, a Clippers team that has been a theoretically great team for all this time. I don't think there's any one team I would give it to, but I do think that there's going to be one or two teams that'll challenge Denver. Nonetheless, if I was betting, on somebody, I would bet on the Nuggets to be the one seed again next year. I think regular season-wise, losing Bruce Brown is not going to be as big of an impact. I think having a healthy Jamal Murray and a healthy Michael Porter from week one, knock on wood, those things I think are going to more than cancel out whatever it is that we lost from Bruce Brown in the regular season. So for me, uh, I think I, I'm going to go with the Nuggets should be the one seed again. I think that's that's very likely. If we go to Memphis – this is one of those teams that I had such a hard time with because my gut tells me that Memphis losing John ja Morant for 30, for 25 games, whatever it was, is actually not that big of a deal in the regular season. We've seen them win for two years now when John ja Morant's been out. They've had a great record. And it's not like they're replacing him with a nobody. They're Desmond Bain is a very good offensive player, and you almost get more offense-defense balance. Marcus Smart, a great leader. They needed that desperately in that locker room. Jared Jackson being healthy. Steven Adams, you know, being healthy. 
I just wouldn't be surprised if they didn't go down and everybody predicts them to. That being said, they were a team I originally had staying the same. But when I went through the list and had so many teams, I had to pick somebody to fall. And they were the one that I think was most likely to. So I have them falling in the standings. I don't think they're going to completely collapse and fall out of it, although they do have that potential. Anytime your star player is, you know, some, you know, chaotic, then that they have that potential. But I just don't know that Memphis is going to fall as much as people think. So I'm going to say fall, but slight fall. Sacramento Kings, number three. I think this one is probably going to be a fall as well. And I hate this because I think everybody on earth is going to be doing this to the Sacramento Kings. This like, oh, what a cool little story. Got hot, surprised us all, but we, but somehow you still are doubted. I think with that team, a lot of things went right for them last year. They had a lot of close games that they pulled out. They had that ridiculously great offensive rating that I think will be, continue to be really, really good. But there's something that happens. If you think about the Nuggets in their ascension, their first year in the playoffs, it was important that they beat uh the san antonio spurs in my opinion because there was some proof of concept both to the organization but also to themselves that they're a team that wasn't you know fraudulent or whatever and i look at sacramento and i just think when you don't get over the hump it reminds me of the utah jazz who are a great regular season team for many years if you don't get over the hump is there something to you where it becomes ex uh, exponentially harder every uh following year I kind of think that might be the case for Sacramento. Um, so I, somebody says, doubt the beam at your peril. For sure, Like I like Sacramento. They feel like a spiritual uh, cousin to the Nuggets, so I, I want to root for them. But I have to pick teams to fall, and I'm going to predict that they are below the three seed next year. Phoenix Suns, I'm going to take them to rise. I just said I they are in the playoff setting, meaning – Great, but vulnerable, extremely vulnerable, especially to well-disciplined and well-rounded teams like the Denver Nuggets. But I think in the regular season, they're going to win a lot of games. I mean, what was their record when KD showed up? He, you know, they didn't lose, basically, when he was there in, in the regular season. You add a Bradley Beal, I just think they're going to beat a lot of regular season teams. I wouldn't be surprised if you think about basketball coming out of training camp. It's all about team. Like, we have to get chemistry. We have to get rhythm. Those guys play a one-on-one -on -one style more than most teams. And I think they'll come out of the gate you know, really strong. So I think they'll be a very good regular season team. And I think they're the team most likely to challenge Denver for the one seed. So I think that that will, I think they're going to rise. So I've got Nuggets staying the same, Memphis falling, Kings falling, Suns rising. Uh, Clippers. This one's going to, you guys are going to laugh at this one. I think they're going to rise. Now this is classic Clippers behavior, right? We've been predicting their ascension for four years now. I will say Russell Westbrook had a huge impact on the team. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard did not play that many games last year. And if you just think, will they be more, less, or the same health-wise uh, this upcoming season? I think most likely is the same. Second most likely is better. And then third most likely is that they'll actually have worse health luck. I think they'll be somewhat healthy. And then they just have, you know, good players still on that roster with Batum and Kawhi and Paul George and Russell Westbrook. So to me, I think they're going to rise. I would probably handicap next year saying Denver one, Suns two, Clippers three. That's kind of how I would go. And then all these teams kind of shake out a little bit after that. The Warriors, this is the crazy one. They were the sixth seed last year. They upset in the first round. They upset the Sacramento Kings in seven. young guys but i think they're gonna fall i kind of feel like the warriors might sneaky be done and this was the last death grasp you know chris paul comes in let's see what we got 
I like the players. When you go through the roster, okay, Steph, Clay, Draymond, Andrew Wiggins, Gary Payton, that's a great – we know that's a championship caliber. At least two years ago it was a championship caliber starting five. And you've got Kevon Looney, who I really love. you got Chris Paul off the bench, and you have Jonathan Kaminga. you got um, Moses Moody, you know, maybe Saric. Like, you got some players that I think are, are really good, but teams expire, and I kind of feel like that is a team that expired. They – are old, more likely to be injury prone. I mean, Chris Paul, we're talking about him, like how good is he going to be? I mean, he's at this point is not a guy that can play 82 games. Steph Curry has had health luck over the last couple of years. I just think that they're probably going to be a little bit more volatile in the regular season and might have to be a team that paces themselves. I'm predicting that they fall in the standing. Um, And if they fall, I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of fall big. The Lakers, you guys know I can't be objective about the Lakers. But I'm trying. I think they fall too. They're another team that last year they made a great Cinderella run to the Western Conference Finals and then got swept. I know Lakers fans want to look at that and say, yes, we were away. We were the Western, the team that made it to the Western Conference Finals, not the team that got swept. Every game was close, this or that. But there's another part of it. If we look at that and say, yes, you made it to the Western Conference Finals, you beat the Warriors, you know, you had some impressive uh, wins in the playoffs under your belt. Then you look at the, yeah, but you got swept by the Nuggets, even when you're up 15. You listen to how the Nuggets talk about that series. They were never bothered by it. They were so unbothered by it that uh, Michael Malone went into presser after game one and started talking trash, poking the bear, and then the team went on to sweep. So you got these two things that are in conflict. And I think the tiebreaker for me is the regular season was not very good for them. Yes, they had the Russell Westbrook fiasco. Uh, fiasco. Yes, they had some injuries and this or that. But are those things going away? You're still counting on D'Angelo Russell. You had a great year from Austin Reeves, who we'll see if he has an even better year. I like Rui Hachimura. I like Jared Vanderbilt, although I don't really buy him as a great player. And you add Gene Vincent. Okay, Jackson Hayes. But I look at this team and I go, I don't know. I think LeBron, every year from here, the wheels come off a little bit more. Can he still piece it together to have a great month-long stretch like he did in the playoffs? Absolutely. He was so impressive to me in the playoffs. One of the most impressive guys I thought the Nuggets went up against. But he wasn't that guy for the regular season, and that's what we're talking about, the standing. So the Lakers, I think, have a little bit of disaster potential, um, and I have them falling as well. Timberwolves, I'm going to go with Rise. I'm just a buyer in the Timberwolves. I think their roster is really good, especially if they get rid of uh, Carl Anthony Towns, make a trade at the deadline or something like that. But they have pieces that I love. Jaden McDaniels, obviously Anthony Edwards, who continues to get better and better. Um, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, they just have pieces. Kyle Anderson, there's a lot of guys that I think can be good. I'm going to predict that they take a rise. Um, You look at the Thunder, I think they probably rise a little bit. Is this the year for the Thunder? Is this the year they turn it on? Like, if they get Chet. Shea's obviously dominant. Giddy is getting better and better, and he's a really good player. You got Jalen Williams. They just have so many pieces that I think can be meaningfully better this next season, and I think they're ready to make a leap. So the Thunder, to me, might be last year's Kings. I'm predicting they rise. The Pelicans, they have Zion and Ingram. they got all kinds of great wings, including my guy, Trey Murphy, who I absolutely love. They've got all these good players, but here's the thing. I don't trust Zion Williamson as a leader, as a guy that's committed, as a guy that can stay in shape, as a guy that can stay healthy, as a guy that can um, stay out of the headlines. I don't trust Brandon Ingram for similar reasons. So I look at that team and I go, they. this is the team that I could look the worst at because they are so talented. They could be the kings of last year where all of a sudden they're a three seed and just a solid 
all from start to finish three seed in the West. Very possible. I don't trust those things not to fall apart. And so I'm going to actually predict that they're a team that falls and maybe even has like a semi blow it up type trade. I mean, any trade of Zion would be a, a blow it up and they already were rumored to be discussing it in the summer. So one more bad year or underwhelming year, it's going to happen. But also there's so many good teams. The Dallas Mavericks. This is the team I feel most confident is going to rise. Last year was an awful year for a million reasons, some of which haven't gone away, Kyrie Irving. But I don't think Lucas misses the playoffs two times in a row in his career. I just don't think that is going to happen. You do have Maxi Kleber, who I like a lot. You add Grant Williams to give you to bolster some defense, some much needed defense. You get a full year of Kyrie. And then they have some pieces around them that are at least intriguing. You know, Seth Curry, uh, Josh Green, Rashawn Holmes, Dante Exum, who had a great stint with uh, Partizan playing for who might be the greatest coach in the world, Jelko Abradovich. So I actually think they have enough pieces that I think they're pretty likely to rise. And Luca, you know, is usually an 82 game player. Like he plays, he doesn't miss a lot of games. I think he's going to be there. I think the Jazz, Blazers, Rockets, and Spurs are once again going to be in the bottom four. I like the foundation the Jazz have built and the addition of John Collins. They have a great coach. Walker Kessler, I think, is underrated. He's phenomenal. Larry Markinen obviously had a breakout year. But can they really pass all these other teams? I think their year might mirror last year's, like a really hot start, and then they fade out as every other team kind of catches up to them. So I think those those teams, Blazers, I mean, even if Dame stayed the whole year, I don't think that they're a real true like playoff contender. Rockets and Spurs, I don't think you're even trying to win or in the zone of trying to win. So I just think those are the bottom teams. Let me know in the comments what you think. Did I get it right? Is there a team you especially thought was uh, I was off on? Let me know in the comments. But first, take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets, up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you could spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under or who you think is going to hit the first home run. All in an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. Be right back with more LockedOn Nuggets. Somebody says, so you're not super high on Wemby. Um, I think I'm less high than most people, but I still think he's going to be a great player. I'm just not high on rookies having that level of impact in the NBA. Um, and also, like, the Spurs aren't ready to maximize him. I think your first year, you try to get people kind of used to things. Like, Chet Holmgren is not the OKC's best player. He's fitting into an already established identity, and I think he'll fit in very nicely. Whereas I think Wemby, it's like that is your identity, and it's not fully formed yet. So... I think he'll be good. I think he'll have moments where he looks unbelievable, but buying him as like to raise the Spurs in the standings, I just don't see it. Let's get into the mailbag because there were some great ones from you guys today. First one comes from Kenneth Kinkle. Where does Jokic rank right now on your all-time center list? Um, so here's the thing. People that watch the various shows I do know I don't love player rankings because I think that they – they, the only thing that's fun about them is the arguments that, that you can make, like the things you can it can lead you to think about. But trying to come up with a concrete answer, I think it's a question that doesn't have one. Let me just start by saying this. Whenever these questions are presented, 
I always think you have to break the NBA into eras. And I'll break it into two. But I think before long, we're going to break the NBA into pre-1980, 1980 to 2000, and 2000 and beyond. Because to me, the NBA, even though it's a slow evolution between those eras, you can kind of really look at that and say, okay, you know, the Bill Russell, uh, Will, even to some extent half of the Kareem era, was eight teams, you know, tons of volatility, the pace, the style of play, the rules, everything was so different. So I'm going to throw out Russ, Wilt, Kareem, Moses, and Walton, Moses, Malone, and Walton. I'm going to throw them out and just put them in a box that says, it doesn't seem fair to me to really analyze those guys because I never watched them live. I only know about them from storytelling and highlights and videos and a select number of actual games. And the game was just too different. I will say if we go off of accolades, Russell, Wilt, and Kareem, I think it's pretty easy to put those guys ahead of Jokic. Wilt, the only one that's maybe, I mean, Kareem, six MVPs, six titles, Russell, um, you know, obviously all the championships and the dominance. So those guys, I think, can go. Then Wilt, statistically, again, it's just so hard to, like, put anybody above him because the numbers are so weird. I will say if I was just going, if I was going to entertain this, even knowing that I don't have all the, the, you know, I can't provide proper context, I still think it's easy for me to put Jokic ahead of Moses Malone, as great as he was, hit the the – Range of his skill sets, I think, was significantly less. And he was great at the thing that was needed for his era. But when you talk about skill sets that transcend eras, I think Moses is among the greatest players to ever play whose skill set doesn't transcend his era. Offensive rebounding, namely, being just so valuable. Is that really a thing that would have been as valuable in today's? I mean, it's still valuable, but would have been as valuable? I don't think so. Enough to make him a a multi-time champion and MVP. And then with Bill Walton... I think he did a lot offensively of the same stuff Jokic does just at a lower level. Was he taller and defensively he added a lot? Yes. But whenever people say like they used to do this, is Jokic the best passing big man? I mean, there was Sabonis. There was Walton. I always chuckle. It was like the arguments with Steph. Is he the best shooter? I don't know. We had Mark Price. It's like, come on, guys. A whole different order of magnitude um, for Jokic offensively. So I would have put him ahead of those guys. But let's just do modern era. Because these ones I did watch, and I do have a lot of confidence in saying. I like to judge when I do these. Prime matters to me much more than longevity. So I'm going to go Apex. Whose Apex was higher? I think number one, I would have to go with Shaq. I just think Shaq from 2000 to 2005, really 2002, but 2000 to 2005 was just so dominant. Um, I would put him ahead of Jokic. Closer than I think most people would because Jokic is equally as dominant on offense. I mean, look at the numbers, 30, 11, and 10 through a playoff run, 16 and four. Like Shaq didn't put up those numbers, but at the same time, Shaq's dominance is a one-on-one. Like there just was nobody that could even slow him down. Um, I'll give it to him. And also he has four titles. Next, I would put Hakeem. I still put him ahead of Yoke. I think this one's significantly closer. And anybody that read the interview with Hakeem Olajuwon knows that nobody respects Jokic as much as Hakeem does. He called him the one. And I love that. Hakeem, though, has the two championships. And Hakeem, I was listening to Balmani. Who was it, Balmani? Maybe it was Ethan Strauss he was talking to. He was where they were talking about Hakeem's career is the most interesting because Hakeem was went to a finals in the 80s. Most NBA fans, especially south of 35, only know, I should say south of 40, I'm 39, and I kind of feel this way. Only know Hakeem through um the two titles. And these one-off moments, you know, the quadruple doubles and the uh, big playoffs, you know, making the finals or this or that. 
But people don't realize that had they not won in 94-95, Hakeem might be one of those guys that gets almost forgotten through history as great as he was. Now, he did get those titles, so you can't take them away. But the reason I say that is Hakeem didn't really have great Costa, like second guys, through most of his career. In fact, he had pretty bad rosters. And to me, him having two titles and the fact that most of his career he was Kevin Garnett, where he just was on hopeless teams and he was dominant, I still think that he is probably like – Yoke's probably got to do a little bit more for me to match Hakeem and to surpass Hakeem. But he's very, very close in my mind. Tim Duncan's ahead of Jokic, but I don't know if we can count him as a center since he literally never played center. Um, he always had somebody alongside him. That's just the way – even the Spurs in 2014, a very modern team, they still had um, Tiago Splitter you know, playing center alongside him for most of those minutes in the final. So Duncan, a greater player and probably would have been a greater center in like today's NBA, but he didn't play it. The list ends there. Shaq Akeem of the modern era, like post-90. David Robinson, to me, Jokic is meaningfully better than David Robinson, and I have more respect for David Robinson than anyone. The funniest one to me is Dwight Howard. People that put Dwight Howard ahead of Jokic and people are like, wow, do you guys realize how good he was? Get out of here. That was the softest East. They had a very progressive spread pick-and-roll style with two stretch fours and Haydu Turkoglu and Rashard Lewis the one year that they made it to the finals. Dwight Howard, as good as he was, was still a limited player, and the thing, the biggest part about this was Jokic does not do anything that does not make sense based on his skill set. Dwight Howard in his absolute prime wanted to post up over and over and over again because he felt that was the way you would impress people because Shaq berated him for it and this or that when he was clearly a better pick and roll player. To me, there is no question factor in leadership, factor in the way that you maximize the talents of your teammates. Um, do you get along with your coaches and all these various things? To me, it's laughable. It's like DeMarcus Cousins. People are starting to say DeMarcus Cousins did everything of Jokic. Get out of here. Um, people say uh, Carmelo Anthony. Like I'm, I'm not trying – I love Carmelo, but people trying to be like, Carmelo is one of the best offensive players, you know, even better than Jokic if we're just talking – like, get out of here, guys. Like, this is insane revisionist history. To me, Shaq, Akeem, Jokic, with Jokic climbing and definitely when stri in striking distance of Akeem – and I don't think he is that far off as Shaq as much as most people would think. Um, let's take a break. On the other side, I'm going to get into more of these questions. Um, Danny Young says, are the next two to three years going to be the prime for the Jokic-Murray era? If so... Shouldn't breaking the 57-win record be in reach? The first 60-win season for the Nuggets. So I love this question because there's a real chance that this last season was the apex in terms of outcome. They won a title. They went 16-4. and four. Only, what, three teams have done that since 2000 or 2001 or 2002, whatever it is? No, 2003, since when they went to 4-4-4-4 four, 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 and four instead of a 3 uh, best of five series in the first round. So they go 16 and four. They were dominant. Here are some things that cannot get worse for the Nuggets. Number one, in my opinion, Jamal Murray's skill level can't, I don't think it's going to get worse. You'd, you would say almost certainly it is going to improve. He's 26 years old. He missed an entire season and a half. And he obviously got better as the season went on. And next year we should expect to be the best version of Jamal Murray. 
And I think if you extrapolate that, Murray should improve over the next four years. He's 26. I think he'll be better at 27, even better still at 28, better at 29, better at 30. Beyond that, it's hard to say. Some players continue to ascend. Some players don't. Most great players, like all-time great players, reach their apex for a regular season around 28, 29. But then they get a higher apex in the postseason, but don't no longer able to do that in the regular season, night in, night out. So I think the Nuggets should expect Murray to continue to get better for the next four years. The chemistry between the team, I don't think can get worse. And in particular, between Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, the most important guys, their two-man game in game five, in games three, four, and five of the NBA finals was probably the best it had ever been. And it was great in the bubble and all those different things. But it continues to get better every year. And it continues to get better as the, even the playoffs go on. I mean, the playoffs, I've talked about this before, elevate a team because that's when you are, you can't mimic those minutes. That's the best training you can get is going playing at the highest level. To me, the chemistry of those two is only going to grow over the coming years. And if you even think about guys like Stockton and Malone who played forever and ever together, you know, they continued to get better in their chemistry as their eras went on, even though it was already great by the early and mid 90s. Things that, and then I would say Michael Porter Jr. can also continue, can and should continue to get better. He's only 24. He is a guy that you look at, or 25, he's a guy that you look at and say, yeah, he should continue to be better and better and better and better. I think you also look at Aaron Gordon and say, will he get better? I think he will. I don't think he'll get worse. I think defensively, he's going to continue to make an impact. Chemistry-wise, he's going to continue to make an impact. And then maybe his shooting gets a little bit better. Maybe his confidence gets a little bit higher, which I think is important for him. Now he's a champion. He's getting all these accolades. So I think he's going to continue to get better. The things that can get worse, though, are, number one, the supporting cast, the guys around him. I mean, you already talk about losing Bruce Brown. KCP is a guy who probably is the one guy out of the starters who is most ready to start the downward curve of his career. I don't know if it comes this year, probably a year or two away. But at least you could look at him and say, is he going to be as great? And are they going to be able to fill in pieces around him? Maybe yes, but maybe no. Health, the Nuggets were relatively healthy last year when you consider, you know, Jokic and Murray and Porter and, and those guys. Now they haven't had the healthiest like five-year run, but they did have a good run last year. So even just a little bit or one bad injury at the wrong time, you know, heading into the playoffs or something meaningfully lowers your, your chances of being better. And then I would say competition. As much as I think the Nuggets were head and shoulders above everyone, and it doesn't take anything away from Denver, they weren't competing with a super team that might emerge in the coming years. So those three things I think can't get better. I will say Jamal's going to get a lot better. Porter's going to get a lot better. Um, and then if you look at the long-term salary of the Nuggets, the starters are locked in for this year and for, for just this year. And then you go over to KCP, who has a player option for $15 million next year. We don't know if he'll opt into that or not, but – he is the most replaceable of the main guys. If you told me KCP plays this year and then opts out and the Nuggets are unable to sign him back, but you replace him with Christian Brown, by that time, that might be an even swap. Christian Brown is probably a better defender or can be a better defender than KCP, a worse shooter. But again, maybe Michael Porter replaces the shooting. Christian Brown replaces the defense and you're back to, to normal. And then you've got guys like Peyton Watson, maybe even a Zeke Naji, Hunter Tice, and Julian Strother. Like Denver has guys in the pipeline that I think maybe not this upcoming season, but the one after that, I think they should be as deep and have even better chemistry. They're set up for that long-term run. So all of that, all of these factors in, 
And I will say, oh, there's one other factor here. <laughs> oh, Jokic and Murray's confidence, I should say, also rises. There's just something to once you win, who can doubt you anymore? It's like KG after he won the title. What did he say? What can you say now? Like nothing can bother me. I feel this way as a fan. Somebody was telling me about, oh, like, look at these tweets, man, people discounting the Nuggets. And I'm like, bro, hilarious, like hilarious. Good job, little ones. Like, it doesn't bother me. And I guess I'm guessing Murray and Jokic feel something similar of like, they know they're better. They know they've climbed the mountaintop. So the confidence just goes up. But the last factor is the Kroenke factor. This roster might get pretty expensive over the coming years. And while I think that the Kroenkes are going to keep this window open and ride and, and let it ride, you never know when they come in with the like BS. I don't know if we really believe in it slash something. You know, you lose a key player just because they get a little cocky thinking they can win without it. The Kroenke factor, I think they're going to compete this year. And, I, and, and I, I do think they're going to continue to pay, but you just never know. We'll have to wait and see. So most likely... Either last year was the apex where they won the title, or in my opinion, 2025 will be the apex. At that point, two years from now, not this season, but the following one, Jokic and Murray should probably both be in their prime. Jokic probably at his apex. Murray close to his apex. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. should probably be at his apex. Aaron Gordon should likely be as good as he is right now. And then your guys like Peyton Watson, Christian Brown, um, should should probably be really good, like Bruce Brown caliber type players. That to me is most likely to be your apex. This year being a little bit of a wild card year, the potent the ceiling I think is as high if not higher, but the floor is definitely lower. Um, so it should be interesting. So I'm going to go either last year or 2025 most likely, and then equal odds on 2024 and 2026, and then beyond that, who knows? Um. Kenneth Kinkle says, what player uh, player's game do you see improving the most this year and why? Probably Jamal Murray, especially from a regular season standpoint. I just, the level he reached in the playoffs was so high that I think he probably has a lot of that in the regular season and just looks like a completely different player. Wouldn't be surprised if he averaged 25 a game. Um, I've long said, and I said this on the Brightest Timeline podcast two days ago over at DNVR, I think there's potential for... Murray to be a Kobe type to Jokic's Shaq, where there's a clear one, two as the era begins. But over the course of time, that becomes a little bit tighter. And I think even in, for if you look at the Lakers, 2000, unquestionably Shaq was the best player on the team. 2001, unquestionably Shaq was the best player on the team, but Kobe was the best player in a lot of key games. And in 2002, unquestionably Shaq was the best player, but Kobe was so close that it created the tension you could say the same in 2003-4, more impactful. Shaq was kind of lazy, and I don't think Yoke is that way, and then they both were too volatile. But at some point, that switched. And by 2007, obviously, um, Kobe had become the better player. I wouldn't be surprised if right now Jokic is an S-tier caliber player and Maria's is an A-tier. I wouldn't be surprised if Murray became an S-tier caliber player over the next two years um, and joined Jokic in that, that tier, which would be unbelievable. Outside of him, you know, Christian Brown probably makes a good leap. Michael Porter has a chance. I just think Michael Porter's game, it's harder for him to break out because of the established pecking order for the Nuggets. Rob Lowe says, why don't you think Nuggets tried to get Christian Wood as backup five to Joker? Too expensive? Seems like a bigger priority than Justin Holiday, who I expect to see zero minutes. It's a good question, Rob. I think we look at it, first of all, I don't think the plan is for Justin Holiday to come in and play. 
One of the most underrated things that happened for the Nuggets last year was that they had probably their most cohesive locker room of the Michael Malone era. And they've had some very good ones. But there's always been one guy, Kenneth Freed, unhappy with his role. Uh, you know, Emmanuel Moutier for a time there, Bones Highland, Malik Beasley. Like there's always been a guy or two that has just been a little bit unhappy. If Christian Wood is a really good player, especially on offense, if he were to come here, he is good enough to want lots of minutes and to want to have some attention. Like, why don't you build some things around me? He wanted this in Dallas last year and didn't get it. So if he comes to Denver, you almost certainly are going to have, and by the way, he's like emotionally volatile. He's fought with a lot of teammates and a lot of coaches. He might come in and probably be a guy that just creates a distraction rather than say, you know what, for the better of the team, I play 15 minutes and I do this thing. And some games I get to score 20 and I get to do all this stuff where I get a bunch of touches, but some games I just have to like rebound and not touch the ball. He would not be happy with that. And on the flip side, Denver just doesn't need those things. They do need to bolster their bench, but I don't know that they need to bolster it through a score first type player. So, because in particular, you need your bench to survive the regular season, and then you need it to blend with your starters in the playoffs. And Christian Wood, to me, is a guy that can help it survive in the regular season, albeit with a volatile attitude. But in the playoffs, what does he do? He is a guy that likely gets attacked, likely gets exposed, and doesn't provide all of those things that you need. And so for me, Justin Holiday, you bring him in to replace Ish Smith. Ish Smith was huge for the Nuggets last year in terms of being a good locker room guy. DeAndre Jordan comes back. He also wasn't going to play, but he does what he did last year as a veteran leader. And even Reggie Jackson, I know that's part of the appeal for the Nuggets, is that he comes in, signs with the Nuggets, could have signed with any team, signs with the Nuggets, and doesn't play, but has a great attitude about it. Spends the whole year just pumping everybody up and being a veteran leader so they know, hey, that's a guy we know. We need those veteran guys. And whether he plays or doesn't, he's going to provide something to us. Christian Woods, if he plays or doesn't, we don't know what we're going to get from him. So I think it's an easy one. Um, let's see what else did I, what else did I skip here? Uh, Lost News says, "Do you think Zeke's jumper is still broken? Will he get an extension this year, or likely be gone by a trade deadline?" Mystery. I will say, and this happens every single offseason. I'm I'm no different. As much as I try to remain objective, I'm no different than any other fan in that. The offseason, you have nothing but idle time. You start to talk yourselves into guys. You start to look at things and say, hey, but what if this broke that way and this broke this way? Ryan Blackburn put it on the timeline. Zeke Naji had the best defensive rating on the team last year. Now, defensive rating is a team stat, but I do think there's something too. Zeke can be a great defensive player, not a good one, a great defensive player and fit into a lot of great defensive units. That alone is valuable. Is his shot broken? I've only seen those little clips where it doesn't look quite as hitchy, but I'm not going to buy Zeke's jumper until I see it in games. So offensively, I'm still very skeptical about Zeke and where he could fit in. But defensively, I think he can actually be an anchor to a really good defensive group or a piece of a very good defensive group, especially when you talk about Christian Brown being alongside him and hopefully Peyton Watson joining him. That can be a great defensive group. And even if the offense is ugly, your, your second unit still has an identity. They shut teams down. They wear teams down. They frustrate teams. That alone is super valuable, and I think Zeke's going to do that. And if he doesn't, he will be gone. If he does do it, Denver will try to extend him. Um, he is a guy that I think this year there's a lot of different things that can happen. One is he plays poorly, and Denver wants to get rid of him or cut him from the rotation. Somebody else take a flyer on him. 
he plays great and Denver looks around and goes, can we afford this guy? I don't know if we can. We got to trade him and hopefully you get something back of value, replenish the war chest. Or he kind of plays somewhere in the middle ground and Denver just rides it out. And, you know, hopefully he peaks at the right time in the playoffs. A train says, which Nuggets rookie, Strother, Pickett, or Tyson has the highest long-term defensive ceiling, specifically when playing with Jokic? This is a really good question that was hard to answer because Pickett, Strother, and Tyson, none of those guys would I project to be great defensive players. Pickett has a, is a great team defender, but his height, his size, I think limit to him to say, like, do I think he's going to be a great one? No, I think he's going to be a good team defender, but I don't think he's going to have a high ceiling. That was the question, high defensive ceiling. Strother is really tall, but I don't think that he is a naturally good athlete or naturally good defensive player, but he does have height on his side, which really helps. And then you have Hunter Tyson, who has height but plays a different position. Strother a two, Tyson more of a three, three, four. So they kind of the same height. Tyson has a great motor. I think he has good defensive instincts and principles. He just doesn't have athleticism. So none of these guys do I think have a super high defensive ceiling, but if I were to rank them, I would probably go Tyson, Pickett, Strother. And if you told, or I'm sorry, Tyson, Strother, Pickett. And if you told me how I think it'll shake out, not just defensive ceiling, but actually what will happen, I would say Tyson, Pickett, Strother. So Strother has a higher ceiling than Pickett, but I think it would probably take a little bit more work for that to happen, for him to re realize that. Um, and then last one, Lucas Navarrete says, should improving MPJ's offensive production be an important point of training camp? Could it take Denver to an, uh, another level? Could it be done in this offense? To me, this is like the million-dollar question. Um, I definitely think he is valuable, has skills that would unlock a lot. I mean, the number one skill that he would unlock, and I don't know if he's working on this with his trainer. I don't, I don't know if this is even an emphasis for him. But to me, if I were working with him, I would be trying to get him to – uh, really perfect coming off the dribble handoff into the shooting motion because he elevates so high and he's so tall that teams have to jump out or they have to allow him to shoot. Jumping high and reading the court from there. So jumping high, looking at the rim, ready to shoot. And with your peripherals, reading what the defense does because if the guy guarding Jokic jumps out at you because it's like, oh crap, here comes a 42% three-point shooter getting ready to shoot a wide open three and jumps out, you elevate and drop the ball off to Jokic the way Steph Curry and Klay Thompson do to Draymond all the time, and it completely takes their offense to unstoppable levels. Denver's already unstoppable, but to me, that's one area where he could really become even more valuable to Denver. I think his health this year, his athleticism returning, those types of things can help elevate him naturally, even doing the stuff he already does. But to me, the way that you can make him have this unstoppable element in the Nuggets offense that can even be a go-to is – just work on that footwork, coming off of the dribble handoff, elevating, dropping off to Yoke. Because if you do that and draw two and get Jokic going downhill on a four-on-three situation, Denver scores every single time. To me, that's how you integrate them. That's the best you could do. All right, guys, that does it for today. That does it for my run of three solo shows. Tomorrow, me and Matt Moore back together for a little Friday edition. See you guys all then.